Hey, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, depending on which part of this beautiful country you're watching us in. It's morning out here for me and definitely for my co-host, Drea Humphrey. This is the Rebel News Daily Roundup, um, wherein we talk about the news completely unscripted. Um, and it's a great way for us to interact with each other because Drea and I both work remotely, but it's a great chance for you to interact with us. And I'll get to just how that happens in a minute. Uh, Drea, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah, it's morning and it's a rainy morning out here. And we forgot to close our new tent trailer that is very old, 23 years old. And the person lied to us when they sold it and said there's no leaks. So we're, <laughs> it's one of those mornings where we've got a leaky trailer to deal with. So, oh, well, it's Such like scammers. 29, it's 29 degrees and scorching here in Alberta. Um, but it's Alberta, so that'll change very, very quickly. <laughs> Just like that, it'll be something completely different. Now, I should tell everybody what we're doing here because we have a very busy uh, schedule, it looks like, and lots of stuff to talk about, including a very evergreen story about how Justin Trudeau remains the worst. Um, but now polling data supports my opinion, so <laughs> which is great. It's it's nice to test your opinions and see that, yep, I'm definitely right. Um, as I said, this is the uh, Daily Roundup. It's normally hosted by my friend David Menzies and a rotating cast of characters here at Rebel News. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Straya, sometimes it's, you know, one of our other remote uh, journalists. And uh, it gives us a chance to talk about the news of the day as the news is happening. Now, you have me and Drea today because we are undergoing some ongoing construction in the studio in uh, Toronto. So we anticipate we'll be finished with that very, very quickly. So thank you for your patience with us as we do that. If you are watching us on the censorship platform of YouTube, because some of you still do, actually, about 1.6 million sets of eyeballs watch us over there. So thanks for that. And that's why we continue to stream there, uh, despite the fact that it is a censorship platform and we have to watch what we say and we can't speak what's on our minds there or, you know, speak the truth in some instances. But there are many of you there. We don't want to abandon you, but I would encourage you to watch us on one of the less censorious platforms mm -hmm. out there, like Rumble and Odyssey uh, and Getter are the main ways that you can watch us. On Rumble and Odyssey, they have a, a paid chat system, which I think is great because it allows you to support the work that we do completely willingly, unlike what Justin Trudeau does with the mainstream media when he just reaches into your pocket and says, I'll take some of that and I'll give it to these people you don't care about <laughs> and that you don't consume, mm -hmm. like the mainstream media and CBC. We think that if you like us and you're cheering for us and you want us to live on for another day, that you might want to throw a little money in the pot to keep the lights going. Uh, but of course, the live stream is always free to whomever would like to watch it. Uh, but if yeah. you want to talk to us, uh, paid chat on Rumble, it's called the Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called the Hyper Chat. And uh, throw some money in the pot. I think $5 US is sort of the cutoff to read it. Um, we appreciate everything that you, you send our way. Uh, sometimes we even read chats that aren't paid. So don't think that mm -hmm. we're discriminating against you. Um, and we'll do our best to read those sometimes as the show goes on, but I like to read them at the end because it makes you people stick around to the bitter end. <laughs> we do, we have to, so, so should you. So I think that's it. Uh, let's move into this, uh, very interesting story, uh, which mm -hmm. is not at all that interesting. If you are, uh, <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> if you're a normal person, this is like, yep, I know, I know. Mm -hmm. I've been saying this for eight years, approaching nine years. Uh, Justin Trudeau earns the title of the worst prime minister in 50 years, says Paul. A series of Canadian polls killed two birds with one stone this month. 
great <laughs> subheadline, Alex, by the way, uh, yeah. saying Justice Joe spends <laughs> and taxes too much, earning him the title of worst prime minister. Fair enough. Well, I, I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, it's confirming opinions here, but uh, it's, you know, it's about the money. That's very clear. That's something that basically many people cannot argue. But there are so many reasons why I agree with this <laughs> article. But if you look, it says, um, as of June 19th, every dollar Canadians earn from this point represents a dollar not pocketed by grubby government bureaucrats. <laughs> Remind <laughs> me to Canadian... send Alex an email about yeah. just the quality of this article because this is kinda, it. it's cheeky, funny. Normally, I'm like, don't put your opinions in the written pieces, um, but I'm fine with this. Uh, six think... months of the year, all of your money goes to grubby government bureaucrats. Exactly. Jake Fuss, who is the Associate Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute, says if Canadians paid all their taxes up front, they would work the first 169 days of this year before bringing home any money for themselves and their family. 169 it's, days. That is awful. That is horrible. So yeah, lots of good stuff in here. In 2023, the average Canadian family of two or more people will pay 64610 in their total taxes, representing 46.1% of their annual gross income. That is like financial rape. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this is an Ipsos poll. So it's not like a poll... Uh, by Rebel News of Rebel News supporters, of course we wouldn't get, you know, like we that would be like yeah. a unanimous poll. Um, yeah. But this is Ipsos. This is you know, take what but take what polling results are. You know, sometimes they're wrong. You know, but right. Uh, they explain their methodology. They polled over a thousand Canadian residents, I think, in cities across the country at random. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, this wasn't like the they've oversampled Airdrie, Alberta, where everybody hates the government or Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta, where we're like, the government's the worst, get rid of yeah. it. We're fine. Just leave us alone. It, they, this was, this was like Toronto, uh, you know, like uh, this is a sampling yeah. across the country to get a good snapshot of where Canadians are on this. And it was, it was Ipsos and one in th two in three Canadians believe they pay too much income tax with fewer than one in four. Only 25% of Canadians, actually fewer, think that the feds are fiscally prudent. So the, you know, Who these are, are those even people? liberal. The donors. The, those are the donors yeah. at the Trudeau fundraiser. <laughs> yeah, it's but when good. you look at the percentage of the popular vote that Justin Trudeau got in the last election, these are liberal voters too, because that 25% yeah, is... These are liberal voters too, who are saying the liberals are wasting too much of my money. So uh, I think, you know... It's nice to it's nice to be right, but will this uh, turn around at the ballot box when we get the next election, whenever that might be? I don't know. I, I and well, I don't think the election is very soon, considering that NDP coalition no. is holding strong with the Liberals. Oh, exactly. Well, it will be interesting to see if Trudeau's still the face of everything. But um, what I'm really surprised about the most is why is it only 50 years? Who's worse than <laughs> who's worse than <laughs> Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? Who's worse? I like I know, know his father was popular, right? Like his father, a lot of people like him. Depends. Them, I think. Depends on where you were. It the West hated him. The West yeah, hated I... him. 
We see him yeah. as the worst thing that ever happened to this country until his son was like, uh, just watch me, as the Trudeaus like to say. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know who is worse. Uh, that's mm. a poll I'd like to see. Who's the worst? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. None of this is okay. surprising. This is like the whole conspiracy theory. It's like it's only untrue for six months. We saw this coming. Yeah, you know, my my goal is to live long enough to see Alex Jones write about everything. <laughs> literally, literally I don't know everything. if I want to live that. Do we really want to live that through? <laughs> what a fun world that would be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's keep going. We've got another story here. Um, big shakeup in liberal land. Mm-hmm. Sounds like, um, I don't know what's going to happen here. I wonder where Freeland is going to end up or if she's going to stay as Justin Trudeau's number two. Oh, she's uh, staying. It even says it in the article, but go on. Uh, we'll get that to yeah. that. She's little miss cancel your Disney plus to fight inflation. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, lady. Uh, half my income just went to the government last year, but okay. Uh, okay. We've got uh, yeah. multiple ministers being dropped from cabinet in upcoming shuffle sources say um, multiple ministers. Uh, sources say Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has called ministers back to Ottawa for meetings on Monday and Tuesday. They Such meetings typically happen just before a cabinet shuffle. Uh, he's mm-hmm. in private meetings Monday. Usually that means uh, private meetings with Xbox and marijuana and Doritos. You know, when, when I see that on Justin Trudeau's itinerary, I'm like, oh, he's taking a me day. Um, but anyways, it sounds like these are actual real meetings. Uh, Freeland will keep her position. Um, yeah, which <laughs> she she I mean, sealed it there. She's terrible, Ugh. but the fact that she's staying in an inflationary crisis when yeah, seventy five percent of the country says you're spending too much money, mm-hmm. and that she's staying, it shows the shallowness of the Trudeau cabinet. Because who exactly. could you put in her place? Who would be better at this than her? When she's so stinking yeah. terrible, who who could be better? And you're like, wait, no, she she might be the best they have to offer, and that is really, really not saying much. Well, and if she's not the best, it makes you question why. Why are they making decisions like that? Why does she stay in that position if she's not the best? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like wonder. C- yeah, it's, oh, this is a tweet that was shared in the thread, but it's the same thing that's in the article. CBC News has confirmed that the shuffle is expected to happen on Wednesday and that multiple ministers will be dropped from cabinet. Should we take bets? <laughs> I would have said Freeland. I would have said Freeland. I would have said, but then when you think about it, like who who could replace her? And then you've got yeah. like Mendicino, Bill Blair. These guys are just absolute disasters. As far mm-hmm. as normal thinking people are, but I actually think they're probably going to stay in cabinet. Um, well, Mendicino yeah. should go with all the oh, lying he's been up to lately. But uh, yeah, probably. Of, I, I don't know. I, 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 I wonder. Then there's Omar Al-Jabra. Is he going to end up out of outside <laughs> of transportation? I mean, like they absolutely mangled, mangled air travel in this country. They, every time they touch it, they screw it up um canceled flights i don't know like there was that one tweet from a westjet pilot it's so bad that westjet pilots who were on the tarmac delayed were tweeting the transportation minister saying 
basically WestJet is going to pay the price for this because the the delay people are going to hold us to account but it is you guys because we don't have any air traffic controllers and that's your problem not ours and that's what's happening and so it's causing airport chaos and the airports or the airlines are the ones who have to reimburse the passengers but they're like we are just the victims in all of this too because they the liberals have just completely mangled the air transport system in this country Oh, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, I'm waiting till Wednesday. We'll see. Let us know in the comments. Take your bets. Let us know who you think's going and who you think should go. Because I'm very interested with that. Uh, they all should be shown the door. I think. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Who should is- stay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which one deserves yeah. the minister position? <laughs> and you know what? If you're a, if you're a careful uh, politics watcher, this is all old news. I think it was two weeks ago, Michelle Rempel, conservative uh, MP in Calgary, Nose Hill. She wrote a Substack article saying, "Ah, the winds have changed. <laughs> They're blowing through Ottawa, and uh, mm-hmm. there's going to be a cabinet shuffle." And she had given like her fantasy football picks of who should go and who okay. should stay. Um, and so when I was reading that, I was like, "Oh, you know, Michelle, she is uh, pretty good at uh, some of her more progressive politics aside. She's very good at watching what's going on around her in Ottawa." And uh, she said, this is coming. This is what's going to happen. And uh, these are what I suspect. Well, like who's coming, who's going. So, um, yeah, it was about two weeks ago. So she was right. Fancy that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All that is to say, we probably should hit an ad break. Uh, I'm going to do my very best to keep us on schedule just to prove to David Menzies that it is indeed possible (laughs) to stay on schedule on this show. So let's hit an ad break and be right back on the other side. How in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening. And it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't in some sense working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. Natokinase is the only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances combating this man-made disaster. No matter what, God will bring us through. And I said, we will not bow down to your gods. For tickets, showtime details, and to see the trailer, please go to savethechristians.com. we're back <laughs> we are okay. uh if, if for those of you who for those of you who are still interested in seeing church under fire canada's war on christianity we are still planning showings across the country i think we have um a bc one in the works so the best way we to do. find out about showtimes and uh anything that we've booked further or if you are a venue or a group that says you know what we want to bring this to our town uh it's save the christians.com or 
churchunderfiremovie.com, I believe. We have a new URL there. So um, just if someone in the studio could confirm that to me. Yeah, I think it's churchunderfiremovie.com. Um, but savethechristians.com, it was the original uh, URL and everything should work from there too. I'm really excited for the BC event. If you guys are around, come. I did not watch the link that was shared because I wanted to see it in person with everybody else at the time. So obviously, Sheila, you've seen it and worked on it, but I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, we have, have a Whistler event there too. Yes. There you go. It's all on there. Check it out. Tamara Leach is yeah. going to be out too. Yeah, we'll be joined by our friend Tamara Leach, who is currently on a book tour of her uh, new book, Hold the Line, My Story from the Heart of the Freedom Convoy. And you can get details and the book at theconvoybook.com. Is That's mm -hmm. the right URL. I know it is. I actually right. finally just ordered mine yesterday. <laughs> it was on my list of things to do. Um, yeah, I, I got mine signed by Tamara when I saw her last week at our... Uh, documentary showing at mm -hmm. church in the vine in edmonton boy if you are coming by the way let me tell you if you're in bc and you want to come to our movie screening and get your book signed by tamara leach come early <laughs> because <laughs> there's so many people um come to these things and tamara makes sure that she you know like sp spends a couple minutes with with each person because she's just so gracious and mm -hmm. uh so um full of gratitude for their support that, um, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to extract her from the line of, of people just waiting to talk to her because she would probably end up there all night. Um, yeah. So, and anyway, you can bring your book if you already own it, you can bring that to be signed. But of course, there's many for sale when you come. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have some sad let's news. Go, yeah. Let, first, though, we do okay. have some sad news, but let's start with the good news first, because... Okay. Uh, like, like, uh, Justin Trudeau being voted the worst prime minister in 50 years, we've got some mm -hmm. good news here. We're seeing the demise of the chief diversity officer position. Right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like it's so is, good. It's good. It's again, uh, wokeness, like all progressive bad ideas. It it's pushing itself too far. And so these mm -hmm. woke schooled busybodies who are human resources tyrants, um, they've overjustified their existence. And now nobody wants them anymore because they are just, <laughs> they make your ability to work uh, untenable, where you don't know if you're going to stick your leg in a diversity bear trap every single day and get yourself fired and canceled. So why even have these people? I think it's wonderful. Um, yeah. There's, they've created, it was a nice scam. It was a good scam while it lasted. Okay, yeah. so look at this. Companies including yeah. Disney, Netflix, mm -hmm. Warner Brothers have recently said that high-profile diversity, equity, and inclusion executives will be leaving their jobs. Oh, well. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I'm not surprised at those places because they've been taking some hard hits for their wokeness. So, You know what? Back to Starbucks with you people. Uh, they <laughs> said, like, this is a shrinking uh, industry. And the scam could only last for so long because what happened was you would graduate from these programs of mm -hmm. like racial equity, human resources programs in university. And so you had to create the demand for your skill set, if you can call it that. So what mm -hmm. they would do is they would run around accusing everybody of, 
racist microaggressions, like everything you Mm -hmm. said or did, like using the word brainstorm, that was a microaggression against uh, people with uh, neurodivergent uh, thought patterns or use the use the word blacklist or black sheep and you they would be like yeah. oh that's inherently anti-black racism and you're like no mm-hmm. that's just common parlance um and so they would accuse you of racism and the best Everywhere. way to fix your fix your racism was submit you to these racism retraining right. programs and <laughs> yeah. and wouldn't you know it the person holding the racism retraining program is the person saying you were racist in the first place so oh. they would go around create the market for their skills and then sell you the skills and then wash, rinse, repeat. Well, that can only go on yeah. for so long before people figure out what exactly you're doing. And here it is. And, and before people it. get so annoyed because they're like, I'm not racist. Why do I have to hear this all the time? Because that's the other thing. It wasn't just like once a year or whatever. They're getting these notices at work and these seminars and so many things, everything from police workers and up. Um, and I don't know how much was being spent on these employees here. It says two years ago, chief diversity officers were some of the hottest hires. I totally, totally <laughs> believe that. Now they're laying off at, like you said, Netflix, Disney, Warner Brothers thousands of diversity focused workers so not even just the ones at the top there's like a whole slew of these diversity folks. it's not a long span at all and you're right a lot of these people did go to college did go to university how are they going to keep up because you keep throwing the word racist around and people aren't hearing it at all anymore and half of the times they think they come up with is actually racist I remember doing that uh, report on Home Depot and what it was telling um you know, from the top up, what they were telling their workers, if you're white, you're privileged. And if you're Christian, you're privileged. And if you're, uh, you know, not disabled, you're privileged. It was like, well, how many staff are you not shaming at this very moment? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. so yeah, it's good to see this is happening. I mean, I, I, I don't want to relish in people losing their jobs, but maybe they'll get a real job now. You know what? That's the thing. Maybe you'll get some life skills out there. Um, But when your job is based on accusing people of being the worst possible human beings on the face of the planet when they're not like, I think being a racist um, is so Mm -hmm. it's such a vile thing. It's and by the way, so anti-Christian, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you believe that everybody um, has uh, human dignity and worth and they're created in the image of the divine, which is this incredible gift and responsibility if you're mm-hmm. a racist, that it, it goes against the Christian ethos, right? And But these people were out there just l- accusing everybody of being racist until the people are like, wait, no, I'm not. And right. by the way, like with the amount of diversity and equity officers required at places like Netflix, <sighs> Disney, um, why would anybody want to work there? Because apparently you're just in a racist hellhole if you I need know. that many people to re-educate all your stuff. A, why are you hiring all these racists? If we concede that you need these <laughs> yeah. people, why are you hiring all these racists? You've got a real systemic company problem if you need an entire department to deal with your racists. Or maybe you're not racist at all and maybe you're just hypersensitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have another story kind of that ties into this. I don't know if it makes yeah. sense to go right into it, but speaking of throwing around. Yeah, I, I think it does because these are also the real world consequences of exactly. accusing people falsely of racism. And that's what this industry is based on. You accuse mm-hmm. people falsely of racism. You make them submit to your reeducation and maybe you might ruin their lives and their reputations yeah. along the way. And 
there are real world consequences for the people that you do this to. And now mm -hmm. they're trying to wash their hands, Ella, Pontius Pilate, of all of this. Uh, why don't you tell us about this, Drea? Yeah, this is a really horrible story. So a principal from Toronto, now a late principal, um, this is a National Post article I'm reading, bullied over false charge of racism, dies from suicide. So horrible. Um, his name is, and I'm sorry if I butcher his last name, Richard Bilsko. Yeah. And uh, people say he was born to be a principal. He was so happy in that position. And um, he had a really good career working for the Toronto uh, School District. And according to a lawsuit, Biltsko, I can't say that, Biltsko filed in court, his sin in the eyes of facilitators at the Kojo Institute was his questioning of their claim that Canada was a more racist place than the United States. Canada wasn't perfect, he said, but it still offers a lot of good. And for the rest of the training session and throughout a follow-up training session the week after, facilitators repeatedly referred to Biltstow's comments as examples of white supremacy. Can you imagine? And I just want to say as a family, you know, uh, much of my family came here through the Underground Railroad, which was through white people helping us come here to Canada which promised our family freedom and gave that and delivered that and actually gave us free land to come here, you know, up east in Nova Scotia and things like that, where streets are still named after part of my family. So how racist is that history? So to have a principal come out and say something that A, is true, that us should uplift all Canadians and have us celebrate the great things like the example I just said that we've done, he gets vilified, gets called a white supremacist. And he, of course, was off of his job. And even after, you know, of course, there's nothing, there's nothing to hold against them. So even after all of the retraining and everything, he never got his exact position back. It's so sad. Friends and family to, said that in, oh, go on. Two struggle sessions they submitted this man to two yeah. brainwashing sessions where they tried to gaslight this poor man into yeah. admitting that he was some kind of racist that he was some yeah. kind of neo-nazi and they mm -hmm. broke him mm -hmm. and where are the consequences for these monsters there are none in fact they're saying how dare you blame us for this man's yeah. death well i do blame you i do blame Absolutely. you if this man was undergoing as some sort of acute mental health crisis, you guys made it worse and you pushed mm -hmm. him over the edge. You owe his family and his community an apology and you people need to reassess what sort of yeah. Mengele treatment you're giving to these people, gaslighting them into thinking that there's something that they're not. Mm -hmm. How horrific. And yet they're still saying, don't use this man's death to impugn the good work that we're doing. You, we will know you by the fruits of what you've done. And I know yeah. exactly the kind of people they are. They still can't even, they don't even have a moment of introspection. The introspection mm -hmm. they try to force on innocent people like this man, they don't even take that mm -hmm. for themselves. Like they're not even stopping to say, what have we done here? My yeah. God, what have we done? They still aren't doing that.
cowards, even if they are thinking that they're not going to apologize, but they should, and they should set the way to change. These are the people educating the minds of the future with this trash. Canada is obviously not racist. That's why so many people come here from all religions, from all races. It's such nonsense. The family and friends, of course, are speaking out. They're seeing the events that unfolded in 2021 weighed on him. Unfortunately, the stress and effects of these incidents continue to plague Richard. Last week, he succumbed to his distress. Uh, that was a statement from the family that was released on Thursday. And his lawyer, who we've interviewed before, Lisa Bilde, she uh, does work with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, says his family and friends have been left reeling and wishing they could have had the chance to convince him that he was loved, respected, and needed. And it's ugh, so sick. So I hope sick. Lisa sues these people into the dirt. Yeah. So they never do this to another family again. Never. And you know what? I assume, I'm just going to go out and assume that this has happened to dozens of other people. Oh, um, easy. Oh, I've interviewed Jim McMurtry. About this one. Yeah. What about Jim McMurtry out here in Abbotsford, BC, terminated? They immediately walked him out of class after he said something along the lines of, um, you know, they were told to talk to the kids about the non-discovery of 215 remains of children as young as six years old. That was the narrative that came out. Not a single body has been discovered. But at the time, as a teacher, as a history teacher, he came out to the class and he said, you know, if there was 200 and something bodies there, it would probably not be necessarily murder. It would be things like tuberculosis, illnesses, malnutrition. That got him marched out, immediately put on suspension for I think eight months at first. And then it was just a witch hunt to go and comb his whole career to find anything that was, you know, to just put against him. And he ultimately has been terminated. He's still fighting on fighting it. I'll update it. But you, if you look Jim McMurtry and Rebel News, you will find his whole stories because I've covered it a few times. But yeah, so there are more. There are more who are not, we're not hearing this story. Unfortunately, until it's too late, like what happened with Richard, or we're not hearing it at all, or maybe they're just changing their profession. And then the people left are the people either agreeing with these false, harmful narr narratives or too cowardly to say anything about it. You know, this last paragraph of the article, uh, again, this should cause introspection for these um, racism accusation peddlers mm -hmm. who need to do this to innocent people to justify their own existences um, and line their pockets. Uh, it says, in the meantime, Biltzko's death is a harsh reminder to all of us that hasty, vitriolic accusations of racism can yeah. contribute to real trauma experienced by real people, including those who spent their careers promoting multiculturalism and fighting discrimination. The public yeah. sector needs to seriously reconsider its practice of using taxpayer dollars to fund the disruption and confrontation of staff. Exactly. Well, exactly. well said. Yeah. Jeez. This, this poor Ugh. man and his poor family, um, it just mm -hmm. it, it makes me furious. And again, this is just the story we know about. I'm just going to, I know you said super chats to the end, but these relate to what we've been talking yeah. about. <laughs> and for those of you who are just tuning in, you can be a part of the show. And an easy way to do that is to go to Odyssey or Rumble. And if you donate $5 US or more, so around $7 Canadian, then we try to read it and hear what you have to say. So uh, memory hole <laughs> quite the name donates five dollars and says budget barbie for 
p.m. So that was when we were talking about all the shuffling happening in the <laughs> uh, the liberal government and what to do with p.m. So Barbie 4 p.m. We've got clothes with fancy socks. And Snowy Ruth <laughs> donates $5 and says, fiscally fancy socks. Oh, see, there you go. Fiscally fancy socks has created more debt than all other prime ministers combined. Absolutely. Easily, right? Like, I think easily. And then this uh, comment donates, this is Cranky Blue Noser donates $10. Thank you very much for your support. And this is about what we were just talking about, says problem with diversity officers losing their jobs is the government will hire them. Well, that's true. We'll have half. Yeah. (laughs) For now. For now. For now. Yeah. The taxpayers will just pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the worst part is what happened to that uh, teacher. Is uh, it happened with taxpayer dollars. We all paid Mm -hmm. to do this to this man and and his family awful Mm -hmm. yeah there's um on the topic of suicide we have another this one is not as sad because uh rebel news we cover a lot of the other side of the story with the sexual indoctrination of kids or kids being mutilated before their frontal cortex is developed for them to make proper decisions and reasoning choices and one of the things over and over and over, you've probably seen in our reports or when I interview parents or people who are detransitioning, is there is this phrase that comes out to the parents where they are told that if they don't go along with all things affirmative, their child will commit suicide. And so here we have um, a video to show you from a trans, he was, uh, I think he refers to himself as transsexual. Um, but he, you might have seen him from What is a Woman, the documentary there. But he answers this perfectly in this interview. Let's show that video and chat more. Welcome back to the program. We are joined by Scott Nugent. Scott, I just want to jump right in. You have been speaking out against medical transitioning uh, for minors. You are somebody who has experienced that yourself. However, uh, one thing that we haven't been able to figure out is why you are opposed to banning trans women in sports. Why, why do you not want trans women to compete in sports? Well, in, in 1973, we had the law passed that basically, you know, women could compete against other women. And we did that so that, you know, self-esteem of women could be lifted. And, and we kind of excluded males from, from that category. Now, trans women are biological males who create an illusion of a woman. They are not women. So they shouldn't be in sports. So you're saying that that trans women don't exist, that they are not, trans women should not have any rights. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is that uh, biological women should be able to compete with other biological women in in a competition that makes it fair. Trans women are men. That's what I'm saying. Trans women are biological men. Well, what about a, a boy who believes that he was born in the wrong body? Do you want him to commit suicide? Would you rather have a, a son commit suicide or have a daughter that lives? Why, why are you opposed to this type of medical uh, medication and medical practice that can help stave off suicide for so many young people? Wow, that, that, was a, that was a big mouthful, wasn't it? Well, let's start here. Uh, no child is born in the wrong body, first of all. And better an alive daughter than a dead son is actually wrong. There's only one long-term study that has ever held up the test of time, seven that said it was beneficial for kids. All of those studies have been either retracted or modified with, oops, doesn't help anything, uh, or not enough time, not enough participants. The one long-term study that has 
lasted the test of time from 1973 to 2003, done in Sweden, followed 326 transgender adults found that these kids are going to be more suicidal after. So my question is, why are you okay with taking kids so, that are so suicidal? So you're I'm okay, not done. Scott. I'm not done. You are no, I'm not, okay I'm not done. with no, children I'm not committing done. suicide. I'm not done. No. What I'm saying is that I'm not okay with these kids committing suicide, but these kids will be more suicidal after they medical transition because you are spreading things that are not true. All right, Scott. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I was furiously writing down stuff as she was talking. She says, one of the things, the first, when I knew that yeah. this was going to be crazy, we haven't been able to figure out why you're against uh, trans, trans women competing against girls. You haven't been able to, you haven't yeah. been able to figure out the objections. Really? You haven't been yeah. able to figure out that people who have undergone testosterone puberty should not be competing against girls yeah. who have undergone estrogen puberty? Is it you have not been able to figure out the biological sex lie. differences? That's like, he's expressed, he, she, Scott, has expressed Scott that multiple yeah. times. Yeah, expressed that multiple times. And then when uh, Scott explains, then the interviewer goes into um, that British interviewer that got absolutely axe murdered by Jordan Peterson starts to take <laughs> that path <laughs> of like yeah, how we're going to exactly. interview someone. Oh uh, well, what, what is that? What you're saying is that um, that that they shouldn't exist. No, well, that, Scott didn't oh, yeah, say that's... that. <laughs> and then says, "Oh, what you mean to say is they shouldn't have any rights." Again, didn't say that. It's not your right to compete against my daughter and beat her up. I'm sorry. Um, it, it just it was Scott is saying reasonable things and explaining his viewpoint, and yeah. they're trying to. Uh, explain why Scott thinks the things that they think Scott thinks, it, but Scott doesn't say he thinks. It, it is, it's the worst journalism I've ever seen in my life. He's right. saying something completely different that's logical, and they're paraphrasing it, like you said, with the narrative. And he was so good at responding to it. But you're right, that, that second thing is something I hear all the time. If somebody comes out and says there shouldn't be sexual acts shown to, you know, little kids in elementary, we don't want those books in there. Often the response is trans people exist or you don't think trans people should exist or have rights. Like it jumps to that instead of just focusing on the very obvious issue, which clearly uh, that interviewer is pretending they don't know even if you don't agree whether or not biological men should be in women's sports you understand why people don't agree with it. like it's just such nonsense um but i'm so happy she went to the other uh, you know false narrative and the way that he answered it was so good she tried to shut him down when she said and that the way she asked that question was basically like why don't you support saving the lives of suicidal children? Like what? How did you even yeah, get ba from basically said to that? You 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 don't care. You don't care that these life affirming yeah. treatments are saving lives of trans kids. Like basically, why don't you care about the suicides of trans kids? And Scott says basically, why don't actually why don't you care about the suicides yeah. of trans kids? Because what we know is the suicidal ideations continue and even ramp up post-medical exactly. intervention. So Scott basically turned it on its head and said, actually, I'm the one who cares about the suicides of trans exactly. kids. You people don't seem to for some reason. 
Yes. Great. And he also talked about how poorly done the studies to promote um, affirmative care have been. They've been debunked. We covered that. They're poor sample sizes. They didn't even, and one of the biggest ones that they use over and over from um, like one of the Dutch studies, they didn't even follow up to see if the kids were suicidal and some of them did kill themselves after. So parents are not finding out this information when they're being told, hey, if you don't play along with this, your kid's probably going to kill themselves. And what are kids starting to believe when they hear that too? So they get, they, they go to a drag queen story time, looks so fun and exciting, like rainbows. And all of a sudden they're into this really fun, exciting life. That's far more exciting than learning your ABCs and your multiplications. And then as they get a little old, older and more confused, now they're being told they're all of a sudden in this category that might kill themselves should they not continue with the process. And kids, as we know, teens especially go through all of these highs and lows and poor body image and all these things. So, you know, I, I've heard people say, you know, back in my day, kids didn't even kill themselves. I mean, I don't think it happened that much, but the more kids are aware of suicides, like if um, a popular star like uh, Kurt Cobain, after that suicide spiked with kids too, because their followers know about it and think, oh, this is a part of who I am. So it's just so bad on so much level. So um, good job, Scott Nugent for hitting it strong. You could tell he was heated, takes out the headphones, but he did such, such a good job. And calm. And that's yeah. when the interviewer was like, okay, we got to go by. <laughs> okay, thanks, <laughs> I <know>. bye. <laughs> I know. It was like, oh. Uh, and this is why. What, what do you say most... after that? What do well, you say after is... that? Like Scott brought the data. Yeah. This is why most don't want to do that. They don't want to bring someone who's articulate on from the other side. Instead, they just want to like point out tweets from like Maxine Bernier and see, <laughs> try to make it like everybody's, I don't know what they're trying to do. But uh, one of the reports I'm trying to work on is to get, uh, you know, people who are tr in the trans community who have different opinions on this together in the same room. I'm very close to doing that. But it's been a very hard task to do because even the activists who oppose many of the activists that we cover, uh, they don't. When you invite them to a nice sit down, you know, uh, respectful debate, they don't want to take you up on that. Not at all. No, no, because they want to just engage in emotions and shutting people yeah. down. Um, they, they want to claim that you are committing a hate crime. You're genociding yeah. me. <laughs> exactly. Stop it. Stop it. You're oh. genociding me. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to have a pleasant discussion here about you give me your viewpoint and I'll tell you my viewpoint and yeah. I'll tell you why I disagree with you. And then you can do the same for me. And they're like, that's genocide, Sheila. What are you Common doing? And ground. And you know what the worst part is? It's just like the accusations of racism or the throwing around of the word genocide when it clearly means something different, something I've actually witnessed firsthand in Northern Iraq. Um, it takes the sting out of the word. And it's mm -hmm. just like when you call someone a Nazi and you're like, I'm not a Nazi. I, I'm <sighs> right of center. Like, stop using that word. That should be reserved for the worst creatures that walked the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, people who were manifesting some sort of biblical evil to do what they yeah. did. And you're using it to describe somebody who disagreed with you. Stop it. Because the only people you're helping there are actual Nazis because you're normalizing them. You're taking the sting out of exactly. what they are. You know, when I was covering that uh, protest that took place outside and counter protests outside the drag uh, summer camp for kids in Granville Island, 
like they're calling me a Nazi. And of course my feelings are not hurt, but I like, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I never, ever, ever in a million years thought people would call me a Nazi. Do they like it's a black and indigenous woman? It's it's crazy. I don't know if they hear what they're saying or if they can even see. It's like they just buy the narrative and what they're being told before they come and then they come up and just yell these things out. It's horrible. Oh but but that shows how like they don't actually even know what they're calling you. No. Like they or don't fascist. even know what that they word means know. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Fascists not see their favorite thing. Yeah. Like I don't know say. if our viewers at home know, but you are both black and indigenous and you have <laughs> mixed race children. You're like yeah. the complete opposite of yeah. what a Nazi might want. And you're normally being called these things by the most privileged white people on the face of the earth, the professional student class. It's always, it's always, even with the Black Lives Matter stuff, because I spoke out against the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, when black people would disagree with me, like mostly online, um, it was always like respectful. It was just like, you know, I don't agree with your opinion. Here's my opinion. But then you would have like these crazed liberals, like calling me an uncle Tom and like saying the most racist things to me, because I guess they feel like they're like defending somebody by being actually racist to me and telling me that I shouldn't have an opinion of my own. So bad. Yeah, you have to get in line, you sassy black lady. You got to listen yeah. to your white betters, apparently. Get into your place. Get in your place. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's hit an ad break and then uh, let's go on to the, uh, as they've labeled it here in the schedule, the hard times <laughs> portion of the show where we oh, complain gosh. about the economy under the liberals. So let's hit an ad break and then go into that. The media said that Canadian truckers were Russian agents controlled by Vladimir Putin. Justin Trudeau called them extremists. The small fringe minority. We are here out of love for our families, our communities. And the government put the country under martial law to stop them. But what's the real story? If you can't see the future in clear outline right now, you're not paying attention. But the truckers in Canada can. And I want you to know that I'm not afraid. For the first time, the woman at the heart of the trucker convoy speaks out. Hold the line. Tamara Leach, passionate organizer, loving mother and grandmother, proud Métis and proud Albertan, and defiant political prisoner jailed for daring to criticize the government. Tamara Leach, her new book, Hold the Line, my story from the heart of the Freedom Convoy is the inside scoop of what really happened. You've heard from the media and the convoy's critics. Now hear the truth from the woman who inspired the world and made Justin Trudeau blink. Visit theconvoybook.com to order your copy now. All right. Let's go to the hard times portion where we Uh talk about just how bad Canada is under Justin Trudeau's liberals with, um, let's hit the opioid crisis first, because the opioid crisis uh, is, I think, a direct consequence of just how bad the economy is for some people. Um, And so Mm -hmm. it exacerbates these issues. And so, as it turns out, BC, 184 uh, fatal overdoses last month alone. Um, 
90% of illicit drug deaths were caused by fentanyl or a fentanyl adjacent uh, substance. Um, 85% of BC's drug poisonings, fatal drug poisonings were linked to fentanyl. Um, that's over 1,200 people this year alone. My goodness, we're only in July. Yeah. Uh, the death toll jumped 17% from last June. It's 2% higher than May. So uh, we've got Justin Trudeau, the federal liberals, legalizing hard drugs in BC. Yeah. Um, because they say it removes the stigma and then people will get treatment and fewer people will die. Yeah. Not the case. Stigmatize this stuff. Have police intervention. Round up mm -hmm. the violent drug addicts, as we plan to do here in Alberta, and force them into treatment because that is better than allowing God's children to languish in these, this misery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says the average age of the death was between 30 and 59. This is young people. This is an epidemic. They want to talk about the declared COVID, uh, you know, where the deaths, as we know, you could have cancer, uh, four-stage cancer, and still be a COVID death. These people are young. They are dying. Uh, their whole, like, let's give everybody drugs is clearly not working. One of the deaths, um, if you recall, Jerry Martin, he was the man who set up a drug shop. They took it down, um, but he tried to set up a safe drug shop and he died recently. So he's one of those hundred and is it 64 or 84 deaths. And he died at 51. He sold the cocaine, heroin and meth from his mobile trailer in downtown Eastside. Very sad. Um, so I mean, the numbers don't lie. This isn't working. Yep. I think of your province, uh, and you know, the strategy that you guys are preparing to take, or maybe you're almost uh, starting to do it. And I really hope that they can stop whatever nonsense they're doing out here and make a shift for the right direction, actually get people the help they need to heal from the trauma and, uh, you know, not give them free drugs that are not their drug of choice so they can go sell it somewhere else to get more of their drug of cho choice, which is often fentanyl, as we can see. Um, yeah, there's this National Post article from Michael Schellenberger, and this is prior to uh, the latest interventions, which I think have not quite taken place here in Alberta. So uh, families can say to a special judge and to the police, this person is a violent drug addict. We mm -hmm. need some help. They, they, they can't make this choice for themselves to enter treatment. And for yeah. the sake of our family and the community, you need to come get them and take them to treatment. And that was a campaign promise of Daniel Smith. So there's an article by Michael Schellenberger. He's an American. Um, but he has uh, looked at what's happening in places like San Francisco. And mm -hmm. in Alberta, we, we our approach is not um, addiction uh mitigation. We don't believe in harm reduction because there is or safe yeah. supply because there's Enabling. no safe supply. There's exactly, there's no safe supply of a poison that will kill you now or slowly later. Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, from 20, 2021 to 2022, overdose deaths in Alberta dropped by 17%. In the same period, British Columbia saw a 1.4% reduction. In January, wow. 2023, the latest month for which oh. data is available in Alberta, Mm -hmm. uh, overdose deaths dropped to 111 from 172 in the same period last year. In April this year, BC counted 206 overdose deaths, a 17% increase over April 2022. Now, we will see 
uh, trends up in Alberta and trends down as the months yeah. go on, right? Like mm -hmm. you'll just see like summer's the drug season. So you will see, yeah. uh, but the overall trend as the year goes, those is down here in Alberta yeah. because mm -hmm. we don't believe in palliative care for drug addicts. We leave mm -hmm. in, believe in actually helping them and trying to get them clean because all things are possible. We shouldn't just give I, up on these people. I imagine you guys don't have like too many like tent city situations like we have out here too, just because of the weather. Am I correct? Or yeah, and not as many, yeah. not as many as you yeah. see in other places. Um, you will see them pop up. Like there's one in Edmonton that I just want to take a drive past. I'm not even going to get out of the vehicle. I'm going to yeah. make sure the doors are locked. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, it's going to be straight B roll. I just want to <laughs> drive past and see it. Um, yeah. but a lot of that is you have the province grinding against the municipalities, which are very progressive and the province saying, uh, we've got a real public safety issue here. You people have to do something. You just can't have open air drug markets popping up on the streets of Edmonton. You just mm -hmm. can't do that. And that's mm -hmm. why earlier in the year, when the progressive cities weren't really doing much to deal with what the social decay in the downtown core, the province deployed sheriffs down there and said, like, look, yeah. if you can't, if you're not going to do something, if you're not going to use the EPS to keep the downtown core safe for the people who live and work down there, um, or, or commute through our uh, LRT system, we have to do something because the citizens should be allowed to use the public infrastructure they paid for. And uh, I, I anticipate that we'll see, we'll see more of that here in Alberta going forward. Yeah. Anyway, it's just a mess. It's just a mess out there, yeah. but um, I'm happy to see our provincial government at least trying to do, uh, trying to yeah. do something, not looking at almost two generations of absolute drug policy failure, like what we yeah. see in Vancouver. And not saying, you know what, let's try that here. We'll get it right this time. <laughs> like they're yeah. doing something oh different. So that's good. Yeah. Well, we shall see how it plays out. Uh, let's move ahead to this one, uh, Canada's standard of living. I don't know if you might have noticed this with the $6 heads of lettuce. <laughs> like a, oh, I noticed I, it by throwing my uh, the birthday party like for my son, I was like, whoa, this is the same style birthday party I always throw for my kids, you know, a little bit of games, pizza food. It was like such a huge difference. And I was like, oh, man. That well, was yeah, like even me. now I've noticed that. OK, so my older kid moved out a couple of years ago mm -hmm. um, and my 17 year old daughter, she being 17 or uh, and having like a four or five day a work week job now that it's summer and being gone frequently training for rugby I, I literally never see the kid so mm -hmm. she's eating somewhere I know but she's not eating here <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretty yeah. sure but my yeah. grocery bill is still the same as when wow. she was home most of the time and uh, when my son lived at home yeah. those two food furnaces are eating elsewhere <laughs> and yet my grocery bill is still the same and I'm looking I'm like what why is lettuce so much I'm like I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> so I planted a bunch of lettuce in the garden. I don't even eat lettuce, but I know that other people in my family eat enough of it for it to be of a financial impact to me. Um, wow. It's crazy. I don't know how yeah. people who don't grow a portion of their own food and like have a, a steer that they knew personally in their freezer. I don't know how you people continue to eat. Like I don't well, know I how families afford it. I saw a picture of your greenhouse, so you're doing pretty good. I took this year off. I'm really regretting it, but I did all right last year with gardening. 
it's a jungle in there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a jungle. I go in and I'm like, those little like cucumber vines are going to grab my leg on the yeah, way in and just yeah. suck me in. Um, and my family won't notice until they get hungry. I'll be gone yeah. for like hours. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to this article. Canada's standard of living falling behind other advanced economies, says TD. Uh, a new report from TD says our we're falling behind um, our peers. According to a report published last week, Canada has been lagging behind the U.S. and other advanced economies in terms of standard of living performance or real GDP per capita, despite recent years of headline growth. Economic growth does not necessarily equate to economic prosperity, said economist Mark Ercoleo. I butchered that. Wrote. Um, in the 10 years, but oh, see, this is uh, Justin Trudeau's hands here <clears throat> because we all came through the COVID lockdowns, all of us in the yeah, Western world. Everyone and did. yet we are, we, we were all in this together, as they say, and we all <laughs> took um, uh, outlandish and overreactive approaches to dealing with the pandemic. So we're all mm -hmm. dealt with lockdowns, but Canada's not catching back up. Why? <clears throat> Worst prime minister in 50 years? Probably. Uh -huh. So in the, in the 10 years before the pandemic, thank you, Stephen Harper, Canada was pretty close to the U.S. in terms of average growth, just over 2% per year, which hovered above the 1.4% average for all G7 countries. Following the turmoil of the pandemic, Canada managed to pull off a strong economic recovery. Well, I think that's when you let people go back to work, emerging with one of the fastest growth rates compared to other advanced economies. Um, but Canada's economic output per person has actually been decreasing for many years. Um, uh -huh. So, uh, you know, you factor in uh, inflation, um, housing prices. How do p young people afford to even buy a house in some parts of this country? Like the dream of owning a piece of property that has a little chunk of grass behind it, I think is out of reach for a lot of people in this country. And I think all of Canada's major political parties are not willing to examine some of the factors for that. If we don't have housing starts keeping up to immigration levels, supply, yeah. the laws of supply and demand quick in, kick in pretty fast and owning their little chunk of Canada becomes a dream that a lot of people will never be able to <sighs> achieve, both um, newcomers to Canada and people who have always been here. It, it, it robs us Already. all of that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it's already that hard. I mean, the article claims that the recent increase in population growth to 3% is not the main issue, especially since the average population growth since 2020 has only been slightly higher than before 2000. But it all it all weighs on it. I'm actually curious to see what you think about this. It says regions like Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland and Labrador where the econo sorry economy relies heavily oh sorry where the economy relies heavily on the exchange of commodities used to have the highest gdp per person td says over the past 10 years however their lead has been challenged following the pandemic only bc pei have been able to raise their gdp per person levels that they had in years prior to covid so what do you think that's all about because I thought Alberta was doing really good, but I guess, we are. yeah. Yeah, but we are also coming out of uh, liberal attacks on our economy, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, in, yeah. we're in the boom zone, but we are coming yeah. back up from the bottom, right? And right. so it takes okay. a while to get back up to the peak of where we were. So where we were um, before makes sense. Yeah.
yeah. yeah. So I don't know. This is, it's funny because you can see TD doesn't want to mention that maybe just unfettered migration into the country mm -hmm. um, might yeah. be contributing to an inflationary crisis in the housing supply because they don't want to get um, subject to true to retraining sessions that might ultimately result in your suicide. <laughs> oh, it's really? It's so you sad, know, so sad. Yeah, they had to put that little caveat in there for sure. Yeah, because they're like, don't don't uh, racism gulag me, bro. You know, that's, that's what you can sense the fear when people make those statements. Uh, we should, uh, we're 12 o'clock here in Alberta, 11 o'clock where you are at. Um, yeah. let's, uh, wrap up these last chats. We did our best to stay on, uh, yeah. schedule. We do didn't we make it to, everything, but do, do we have to quickly go over the terrorism one? Cause of the title? I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think we should. Oh. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's, uh, okay. I'll let you take the lead. Okay. I'm still trying to find it. I just remembered it was in the title. Okay, there it is on the screen. So RCMP seek terrorism peace bond against woman previously convicted in Canada, Canadian tire terror attack. So she's been arrested again. It's my understanding if you want to scroll down because I lost the article. A woman found guilty four years ago on terrorism charges following an attack at an East End Canadian tire store has once again been arrested. The RCMP say Rahab Dugmash appeared for bail uh, hearing. In a video conference on Friday, no details have been released about what led to her arrest, except that she was picked up following an investigation by the RCMP. So their role is to prevent individuals from engaging in terrorist criminal activities. So she's been arrested under something very similar to what she was already um, found guilty for. So that's not cool. She's been released and back at it, it sounds like. We'll have to wait to see what's yeah, going on there. This is really something else here. Uh, yeah. In case we're like, I wonder, I wonder what could have possibly motivated this poor woman. Here, let's read it. In, fe <laughs> in February 2019, Dugmosh was found guilty of four terrorism charges for a June 2017 attack against workers at a Scarborough Canadian tire store using a golf club? And a butcher's knife while what? draped in an Islamic State banner and oh, for God. trying to travel to Syria to join the terrorist organization the year oh, before. So the, yeah. she was already on their radar for a year before she went. Um, I guess she wanted to be an ISIS bride the prior year. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there weren't any takers. <laughs> um, and so then she turns up in the Canadian tire with a golf club and a butcher knife draped in the Islamic State flag, maybe this would have made her uh, a more palatable, um, yeah. high-value ISIS bride the next I time guess. she tried to go to uh, Syria to join the organization and have many, many, many ISIS babies. Um, but uh, now they're blaming mental illness, likely schizophrenia, as playing a central role in her crimes, saying it rendered her vulnerable to extremist beliefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're white that and you do something like this, immediately you're a white supremacist. It's never, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you can't even say, you can't say, you know what, that person, he's he's hearing DMT elves tell him about how he yeah. should support Hitler. Like, And they're like, no, no, he's just your run-of-the-mill white supremacist. You, you never yeah. get like that going in the other direction. But they're saying yeah. that her continued support for ISIS is related to her mental illness. 
Um, yeah. even if, but they're saying, even if it is related to her mental illness, it still makes her dangerous to the public. That for much sure. I agree with. Yes, for sure. All right. We have a couple of chats to end the show with, right? Um, yes, go ahead. Judah Bercy donates $5. Thank you very much. Says something else on Trudeau's shoulders because he agrees with all the woke groups on top of this. He is causing all the division in the country. Yes, but he says rebel news is causing division. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever saw that where he said we need to take <laughs> some, he, we need to, your, or I won't call it a news organization, but you need to yeah. take course. Well, the court's dead. <laughs> well, the court's yeah, did justin so i don't care um you don't care but it's funny it's funny the guy who's like these people who disagree with me should we even make space for them what does that mean what are you going to do to those people launch them into the surface oh. of the sun you know like you say they shouldn't exist what are you going to do to unexist them justin exactly. i don't like how that's Good sounding question. but he's like those people there with those those people over there, he just can't say that those people are just people like your fellow Canadians with a different worldview. He has to like yeah. malign them every step of the way and like mm -hmm. treat them like subhumans and then accuse them of creating division. And they're like, we just want to exist. Would you mind leaving us alone? He's like, you this, you that, you misogynist. You guys so quit bad. creating all the division. You guys quit creating all the division. Yeah. <laughs> and now the, the latest yeah. he's telling concerned Muslim parents about the sex stuff in schools that they're just like weak and helpless and have no mind of their own. They're just taken over by far right extremists. So, so divisive. Right. Um, and Judah Bercy you... is now a monthly supporter. So thank you so much. Oh, That's so nice. Thank you. Um, That's great. We appreciate that very much. Yeah. Sister two donates $5. Thank you. Says you have to know there is an election coming. And JT is on the campaign trail when obscenities are hurled at him into his face and you are not arrested. If he wins the next election, you will be arrested. Very interesting. You know what? Let's talk about, I know we're over time, but I want to talk about that real quick. Yeah. And thank you for bringing yeah. that up. If, okay. If so there's over the week Yeah. So over the weekend, Justin Trudeau turns up at one of those campaign stops um, that you're, talking about they do look like a campaign stop for sure and mm -hmm. he's met with a crowd of protesters which is something quite unlike anything i've ever seen in canadian politics and i've been a careful politics watcher since my late teens uh people some people viscerally didn't like stephen harper but i never saw this sort of uh anger <laughs> directed mm -hmm. at a prime minister before um so he shows up at one of the campaign stops and somebody calls him a filthy puke I think it was, or disgusting puke or something like that. But it's very clearly, if you listen carefully, there's a p, -p, -p sound. Okay. <clears throat> well, leave it to the liberals to say somebody called him a disgusting Jew or pathetic Jew or filthy Jew oh, or something gosh. like that. I forget the exact words. I miss that. Jew. Jew. And I'm like, no, you can hear the P, puke, and the K, hard K sound in it. Puke. Let's go, Brandon. You can, <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. You can literally hear it. But the liberals yeah. get out in front of it, and then the Trudeau colonized uh, Jewish group, Jewish groups sort of yeah. get going with it. And the reason I say this one is Trudeau colonized is because Michael Levitt, uh, a former liberal MP, is the head of the organization, push like denounces what's happened, and it's like, you mm -hmm. guys, 
yeah, widely shared on social media that depicts a a Belleville protester saying you're a pathetic Jew, at least twice to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Protest is essential to any democracy, but hatred spreads when it's tolerated. We urge any media sharing the video to condemn this to condemn this vile expression of anti-Semitism. He he said pathetic puke. Why would anybody call Justin Trudeau a Jew? He's not. He's not. Nobody calls him that. It's another let's go Brandon moment. Like, my goodness. I I think I was thinking uh, that they were commenting about a different video because I didn't see that one yet. So I'm going to have to go listen to it to hear the P or the J. But this is just horrible. And then there are those things. If someone says that's what it is, you're probably going to hear that after because now you think that's what's said. So you have to listen to it real close. My goodness. Yeah, it, um, it taints your listening when somebody has already told you what's being said. But if you course. listen, you hear pathetic puke, which makes sense. I can yeah. see how, um, you know, a lot of people who may or may not have voted in the poll saying that Justin Trudeau is the worst prime minister in 50 years might actually think that. But it makes absolutely zero sense, <laughs> zero sense to call Justin Trudeau Jewish. At all, oh my but they want us to believe this. They want it, like you know what? What I don't know. There's an argument for and against yelling profanities at Justin Trudeau in public. What mm-hmm. I'll hear those arguments, yeah. but nobody called him a Jew. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> nobody. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid that this is spread around and like all these people are lining up to denounce it. And it's like he, that's not what anybody said. It wouldn't make sense if they did. Anyway. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now I'm looking forward to hearing this. Yes. Um, Yeah. It was the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center, which is um, headed by a former liberal MP. So when you see this rush to uh, basically denounce this alleged anti-Semitism directed at Justin Trudeau, who is not a Semite, (laughs) who I believe is some sort of uh episcopalian version of catholicism uh you know once you're like oh that's michael levitt's organization um please don't do this in the name of uh like denouncing like anti-semitism because when you do it to uh, for no reason you discredit this whole organization and why would you do that you've just discredited the organization just to defend justin trudeau nice work guys anyway so bad well on that note go watch it and listen for yourselves yeah yeah all right well that was good that was fun sheila and thanks everybody who joined in and also donated to help keep the lights on uh we'll be back again tomorrow do you know who's up tomorrow i want to say tamara tuesday and maybe alexa is that right guys yes i guessed right I know I'm supposed to be acutely tuned into uh, the comings and goings of the company, but I never know who's doing the live stream until they're like, Sheila, it's you today. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and thank so, you, anyway. Efron and Olivia, yes. behind the scenes, making it all go good and staying with us late. But we had to talk about that last one, so. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Drea, you go listen, tell me what you think. Send me a message, tell me I'm what you think. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, viewers, uh, let us know uh, in the comment section what you think you heard there, if, if it makes sense for some to call Justin Trudeau a Jew. Like, <laughs> they really wanted us to believe that. It's so dumb. 
Anyway, we should wrap up the show. Uh, thanks, Drea, for your hard work and for uh, letting me do uh, way too much talking. Um, thanks, everybody who works behind the scenes and everybody who watches and everybody who pitched in. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane. Hey, everybody. Ezra Levant here. I'm in Romania, if you can believe it. And I just came from Hungary. It's not a vacation. I'm doing fact-finding journalism that you can see on our website. I will admit, though, it is pretty fun. I get to meet fascinating people, eat delicious foods, and see places I've never been before. And so I thought, well, why don't I invite you to come with me on my next fact-finding tour to Israel and the United Arab Emirates? I'm going to Israel and Dubai to check out the Abraham Accords. That was the peace treaty that Donald Trump arranged between the Jews and the Arabs. He broke a century of fighting. And I want to see what it's like. I want to do stories about it, but I want you there with me. And so as we travel around, as we go to the sites, as we talk with experts, as we interview people, I'll be there, but you'll be there too. We'll have our meals together. We'll stay in hotels together. We'll move around by bus. We'll all get on the same El Al flight to fly from Tel Aviv to Dubai. We'll go up to the tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa. It'll be real journalism that you will be an insider and we'll have a chance to hang out. Now, there's only a few tickets left. Go to rebelvacations.com and you got to sign up soon because, listen, we leave in September and I don't want to leave you behind. If you want to hang out with me on the road while I do my journalism, and by the way, it's not just me. Ava Yamini is coming, Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, Drea Humphrey, and Kean Simone, our documentary filmmaker. It's going to be a great way to hang out with other rebels, your favorite fans on friends on TV, and to learn a bit too. Go to rebelvacations.com.